We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is something that would have no truck with previous Democrats and probably no truck even with his former boss, Bill Clinton. But if you're looking for turbulence, boy, you couldn't have done much better than Al Gore. And I guess you still can't. Listen, if you missed it, what he said today, uh, excuse me, what he said yesterday on Meet the Press. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And Can you imagine? Bill, had you heard that audio? You had not. I saw your face, which is why I asked. Bill and I, Bill, my producer, and I are uh, several feet apart between two bulletproof glasses. I don't know why, but we are. <laughs> I guess they think we don't get along. We do. We get along. <laughs> but in any event, I was watching Bill's face. Bill's face when he heard that. Um, I don't want to play it again. It is so disgusting. I'll just repeat what he said. The climate deniers are really in some ways similar to all those almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams. They heard the gunshots. And nobody stepped forward. You know, a big theme for us on this show is the abuse, the use and abuse of children for political and social purposes, the use and abuse of children to soothe the feelings and anxieties of adults, the use and abuse of children for what you might call codependency on adult passions and emotions. It's an awful, awful thing to do, to use children for any political purpose. That's why standard politics used to say, and I wished it did again, that in political campaigns, you leave the kids out of it. Leave the children out of it. They're just that. They're just kids. They're just kids. Leave them alone. Leave the kids alone. What about leaving the grieving parents alone? And what about tying a very debatable proposition, the proposition being everything Al Gore wants to do to prove you're not a climate denier, very serious set of debatable propositions, and comparing it to people who would stand idly by, in his words, while children were screaming, listening to gunshots, while nobody leapt in. It was one thing for the climatistas to use and abuse Greta Thunberg. Do you remember Greta Thunberg? What was her great quote? I, um, people are suffering, people are dying, and we're beginning, the ma- we're beginning to watch mass extinction of human populations. That's what she said. And everyone kind of went for it. We kind of used her, not we, of course, in this audience, but the Climatista movement used this child 
because they thought, well, if a child says it, who's going to argue with her? You can't go after a child. They kind of like this a priori Teflon protection, don't they? If we can hire someone of a protected status to say something, even though it'll come off as outrageous, if you want to answer or return or respond or debate that person, you are automatically shut down or you automatically you automatically have the lower mo- the lower moral plane to argue from because you're attacking them for that other ancillary thing that they're a child that they're a woman that they're a minority that they're protected Kamala Harris has made a fairly well of this so too is George Soros we shouldn't do it if someone is old enough to make a proposition in political uh, debate they should be old enough and mature enough to take the pushback but what about using those that want no part of this what about using those family members in Uvalde what a disgusting thing Al Gore did I, you know, he was gone from the scene for a long time. I wish he would be again. What a disgusting display. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're looking for a really unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y refi what they're offering is a no load fixed interest rate up to 10 and a quarter percent return for investors all in a secure and collateralized portfolio why refi is a due diligence approved firm investors do really well by doing good for others helping them pay off their debts and you can be part of that investment group as well doing well by doing good for others if this interests you check them out at investyrefi.com that's the word invest the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com. InvestYRefi.com. Or you can give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. Keith is in Atlanta. Hello, Keith. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Yes. Hey, Seth. I just, a couple, actually three quick small points about Al Gore. I just don't know if people remember. One that, that speech he gave out in San Francisco, is that the, the year after 9-11, is that the one where he just went off the rails and started screaming? He went, like, he be trying. No, I got that one. I got, I got that one queued up for us, Keith. I would, you read my mind, but that is a different speech that same year. That is a different oh speech. You, you want it? You want it for context? You want to hear it right now? Yeah, because I can't, I can't right, find yeah, that All right, yeah, so the audience YouTube. knows what we're talking about. Okay, this is Al Gore. Um, yeah, this is Al Gore t- calling the president of the United States a traitor, a traitor. Those are the feelings that were betrayed by this president. He betrayed this country. He played on our fears. You know what my uh, producer Bill calls that, Keith? He calls that Howard Dean times 10. Oh, yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, the strange thing about Al Gore, how close he became, almost got to the presidency. Yes, sir. If you look at you look at those debates, all three of them with George Bush, he had three distinct personalities. He, he was like a multiple personality disordered person. He was just someone who was just really coached to be whatever they wanted him at the moment. The first debate, he was just sighing and acting like a little child. The second debate, he acted so amiable, but, you know, like a pushover. And in the third debate, he wanted to look 
tough by actually standing up behind George Bush during the debate when Bush turned around. He was like like he was wanting to pick a yeah, fight. What did Bush say? You want to buy some wood? I don't know what that was about, but I, I think I remember that. I you know <laughs> I think that's what Bush said, right? You want to buy some wood? I don't, I, I, I don't know, but yeah. but he's he's a strange person. Yeah, and, and about and about stolen elections and stuff. Very few people remember this, but I remember this back in Florida when they were kept they kept recounting and recounting yeah. and recounting. They found Terry McAuliffe in a car with a a voter punch machine with a bunch of cards and he was going to go throw it in a sack of, um, in a sack. I don't know where they were going to put it like in a, in a, in a, in a post office or something, but they were going to try to steal that election because they were only within like 800 votes or something. All they needed was a couple of thousand, uh, ballots just to say they found well the one thing i remember more prominently perhaps than anything and there was a lot going on back then obviously but the thing i remember was what caused the split you remember who gore's running mate was it was joe lieberman yeah joe lieberman what caused the split between them do you remember what it was i do that what caused the split between them was there was an effort by the gore campaign to try and stop the counting of military mail-in ballots and and Joe Lieberman said, we're crossing a line with this one. You don't stop counting the military ballots. And that was what caused the division. And ever forward, Joe Lieberman was intervention in the Democratic Party. Yeah, that, I, I knew there was something, but I forgot that. Yeah, that was I the thought, beginning I of thought it. Actually, I thought actually the split became a couple of years into the uh, Gulf War where uh, Joe Lieberman still stood kind of with George Bush that – that we had to do something. Oh, about he was, yeah, and but Al Gore, Al Gore had left Lieberman World by that time. You'll recall Al Gore. It was kind of an interesting story, stretching memory a little bit. Al Gore endorsed another candidate for the presidency in that race that Joe Lieberman was running in in '04. I believe who did he endorse? I think it might have been Howard was it Dean. Kerry? Huh? Uh, was it was it was Dean? it Kerry or was I it Dean? It was I don't Kerry. remember. I, I don't remember. I just don't remember. But it wasn't Joe Lieberman. And Joe Lieberman, I remember, said, you know, he, I, I was his loyal running mate. I, I, I thought, you know, maybe he might not endorse me, but at least maybe I'd get a call ahead of time. Anyway, I yeah, they the, the falling out, though, started in the recount in Florida. You know what the sad thing about Al Gore is? As crazy as he was and everything, and, and, and that's the mainstream of the Democrat Party. I know. You are not going to have – let's put it this way. Tulsi Gabbard will not get that nomination for the uh, presidency of the Democrat Party. She's just too normal. <laughs> they, the de- Democrat Party, you have to be someone who just came out of a Halloween party to, to win the nomination in that, that party. They are, they are insane. And I have said it before, and I really mean it, that's a party that is under some serious demonic influence. And a lot of people think that I'm talking crazy stuff when I say that. But honestly, when you listen to those people, they are not normal people, people who are staunch behind that party. I'm not talking about the, the people who vote Democrat because they've always voted Democrat. They're just, they just won't research it. But the leadership in that party is very unstable people. And if they ever get total control of this country, they will do things like that's on the level of Nazism. They would go after us conservative people to purge us. They don't even want us. They don't even want us part of society. They want us totally eliminated. One has to, uh, Keith. One has to ask the question: Why is it 
that neither the president or the vice president or the speaker of the House can denounce, merely denounce, an attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice. One has to ask the question, why is it the president, the vice president, and the speaker of the House can't denounce an attack, an assassination attack on a member of Congress, as happened with Lee Zeldin uh, last, last week? At the very same time, they're holding hearings on an attack on Congress amorphously, not just congressmen or congresswomen, but on Congress as an institution. And here you have a very specific, obviously, right before a very eyes situation of that happening. And they have nothing to say, nothing to say. The wink and nod that takes place, you, you know, leading up to that Lee Zeldin attempted killing, the attempted killing of Lee Zeldin, the attempted attack on Lee Zeldin, well, it was an attack, the attempted killing of him. You know, leading up to it, there's there's very little discussion that the governor of New York, Democrat, Hochul, she had released his travel schedule. She had released. What did she expect would take place? Did she think that would make things more pacific and more peaceful and more calm? There's a winking and a nodding going on with violence in this country. Anyone who disbelieves it, look at what Kamala Harris's disposition was during the BLM riots of 2020, the summer of 2020. Was she denouncing them or was she encouraging them? Well, verbally, she was encouraging them. Was she denouncing them or was she encouraging them? Well, monetarily, she was soliciting funds to bail them out, bail the rioters out. This Democratic Party has serious problems But I say they're serious only because they are serious problems affecting the rest of the country. Yeah, Keith, this party comes to total power, then we're going to need to plumb the depths of our thesaurus to find phrases better than serious problems, stronger, more impactful. Thank you for your call, sir. Stay well. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings us the great John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He does our culture and economy segment with us. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He has a radio show here every Saturday morning, The Word on Wealth at 7 a.m. John Dombrowski, happy Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. Thank you so much, Seth. You the same? Yes, thank you, Excellent. sir. Thank you. Let's talk recession a little bit. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, we kind of <laughs> do because I... I I hate to do this to you, buddy, but, um, you know, most of us went into the weekend and the last uh, decades of our life having a pretty good idea of what constituted a recession. (laughs) Some of us had read uh, Paul Samuelson's book on economics, Mm -hmm. really the only textbook that most that colleges use on it for macroeconomics. A lot of us were familiar with NBER. Turns out the Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, tells us that – uh, two quarters of contraction isn't the technical definition. Um, straighten us out here. Well, we're rewriting history on just about anything, okay. everything else. Right? <laughs> yeah, all right. That was my conclusion, too. Yeah, it can happen in real time, right? Wasn't it Obamacare? Wasn't yeah. it the tax or a penalty? Yeah, I, I, right. I, you know, so I, I guess it all depends on which side of the aisle you're on. But, yeah, it looks like in this they're talking about uh, the case that it's not going to be called a recession, yeah. Uh, as as uh, the Democrats will report, um, because that's certainly not going to bode well. 
if, if we're in a recession. I mean, most people, I think today, Seth, feel that we are already in a recession. And of course, we've talked about this, is that two, traditionally, it seems like two quarter negative quarters of growth right. uh, would would basically say, hey, we're in a recession. Yep. Oftentimes, we've seen recessions are short-lived. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily something that uh, creates that much of a challenge. This particular one, because of the inflationary pressures we're feeling, uh, could be with us a little bit longer than normal. Uh, but, yeah, in this particular article that you're talking about, um, I don't know how you can redefine this. It's been pretty clear uh, for, for, for many decades, and you know, I don't understand how they're going to come up with this. I guess it's all in the way you present something. Uh, yeah, I guess. And I guess if you read uh, what she says in that interview with Chuck Todd a little further, uh, she's going to try and say other things are good. Mm-hmm. Don't pay attention to that number. Pay attention yeah. to, I don't know, the. I think she's saying the broad range of data. A broad range of data. Um, look at the specifics is what she wants us to do, not the overall package. But yes. the overall package is what we've always looked at. Are That's we growing or are we shrinking? Yeah. Right. That's right. And, and, of course, one of the issues that usually uh, coincides with um, a recession is is high unemployment, which right. we don't have. And right. that's the one that they're probably going to be utilizing uh, to you know, say we're not in a recession. Yeah, you heard that from Joe Biden today. He did do a, uh, a little Q&A with the White House uh, press corps, and that was what was interesting, uh, you know, he did he did focus his comments on where unemployment is. But maybe you can color me uh, skeptical a little bit. Uh, tell me if I shouldn't be, because this was a man who one year ago, really, a, literally a year ago, was saying that we don't expect to see inflation and any right. that we do see will be uh, very temporary. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we then went on to say transitory. But he was denying inflation a year ago. So color me skeptical if he's saying the unemployment is going to hold and the recession is not going to come. I, yeah. The record is not good here on their predictions in real time. No. And, and I think you know the Fed's going to be speaking again this week. Yeah. We're going to be listening for that. Also, some big corporate earnings this week from big tech. Uh, this is a this is going to be a big week uh, and, and a telltale uh, moving forward as to really where the economy is and maybe where it's going in the near term. So I would say all ears looking out for what's going to be reported this week in the Fed comments. Uh, and then we're going to have a conversation. I think it's going to be a volatile meet week for the markets. Uh, today, Walmart reported after the bell. Yeah, I saw that. Again, uh, not not very good, talking about the slowdown that, that they're feeling and what they uh, are predicting for their uh, next quarter. So uh, this is just the start of the week, um, and it, it's going to be a volatile week. So I want people to realize that and uh, don't get too entrenched in the day-to-day things. Uh, look long-term always with your investing. And it's going to be a, a wild ride though this week, I believe. Well, let's spend the rest of our time and the rest of the week together uh, thinking about if this, then what should you do? If right. this is what comes, what should you do? Did you ever see the movie Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's movie Rear Window? The nurse Stella is great. She's a homespun wisdom nurse, and she's telling Jimmy Stewart she predicted the crash of 1929. He said, how did you do that? She said, I was taking care of the head of General Motors mm-hmm. who had to go to the bathroom six times a day. And when GM goes to the bathroom six times a day, you know something's going to happen. 
happen. And I just wonder when Walmart cuts the profits outlook, if that's also the same kind of sign. Anyway, I need you to say your thing. I'm sorry, buddy. You know worries. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grant Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. No one does Thank it better, sir. John. Thank you, <laughs> right. sir. All right. Bye-bye. We'll talk tomorrow. 602-5089. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Yeah, I was just listening to uh, Officer Tatum put in a word for balance of nature. I'll do the same. It is a great product. I do take it every single day. It is responsible for my, I think it's responsible for my uh, good health and uh, immunity, of course, and energy. Uh, I've never taken anything like it. And ever since I started taking it some years ago, I used to get sick several times a year. Seasons changed. I haven't fantastic product and it is 100% natural 100% and it's not going to take you weeks to know whether it's working I mean you're talking pure potent plant power with a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables you're going to know pretty quickly days whether it's working and it will check them out at balanceofnature.com balanceofnature.com use discount code balance um yes as I was saying with John uh, Dombrowski uh, the president did speak today, I guess, from his uh, isolation, wherever that is um, right now. Uh, and I'll tell you, I don't understand how, what the White House comms department is thinking any more than I understand what the political operation is thinking. Usually they work in tandem. If they don't, you've got a problem. But they're working in tandem theoretically, and they do have a problem. I get on the one hand, they're just trying to decide – well, the president has COVID, he's aged, and uh, the, popu- the vast population probably thinks he's a bit, um, shall we say, weak in the first place. Let's put him out there on video and audio. Let's put him out there on camera so that we can reassure the country and the world that everything is just fine and he's doing just fine. The problem is, on his best days, he doesn't project that. On his best days, he doesn't project that. So I don't know what they were thinking. But you tell me if this gave you confidence in anything, in anything other than you're right if you think the White House is incompetent. Did it give you any other competence? This is in response, Joe Biden today, through a video feed, uh, video feed because they have him in isolation with the uh, White House press corps answering a question about the recession from Peter uh, from Peter uh, Ducey. We could be in a recession. We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. Uh, we uh, The employment rate is still one of the lowest we've had in history. It's in the 3.6 area. Uh, we still find ourselves with people investing. Uh, my, my hope is we go from this rapid growth to steady growth. And uh, so see, we'll see some coming down. But I don't think we're going to, uh, God willing, I don't think we're going to see a recession. He's hoping an awful lot in that sentence. But what the heck is he talking about from rapid growth to stable growth? What the heck? That's just another word salad. That's all that was. With the, I mean, I, want, I, I wish if you had the chance to, and you can, you can do it yourself, but if, to watch the video of him there. I mean, he just looks pallid and everything you can do. I don't know. If, I mean, they should be given a balance of nature, quite frankly. It would do – It would do, or maybe this is the best he gets. Maybe this is as good as it gets with everything that they can get into him. But I'm telling you, that, that word salad just made no sense to me. But who, who, who in their right mind thinks this man has anything to teach us about whether we should trust him on the economy or 
not. As I said to John, it was a year ago, just a year ago, where Joe Biden said, we're not going to have inflation. He said, quote, our experts believe in the data shows that the price increases we've seen were expected and expected to be temporary. Unchecked inflation over the long term would pose a danger, but we're confident that isn't what we're seeing today. This was a year ago. There's nobody suggesting that unchecked inflation is on the way. No serious economist, he said. Those are all quotes of Joe Biden from a year ago. Who are these people to just try and win the political day and the political moment at the expense of your livelihoods and your ability to run your household and your lives and your businesses. Who are these people? Paul Krugman is the same. Now, Paul Krugman isn't in a moment or a state of of uh, a state of a, of any kind of mental decline. I think he is woefully wrong ideologically, and I think he filters everything through a partisan lens. He's a columnist through the New York Times and an economist at Princeton. But, you know, when you're in that business as opposed to elected office, there is no accountability. You can be a pundit and get wrong over and over again, and people will keep you as long as, you know, your um, your credentials are solid or at least uh, respected. Uh, this is why you see the same wrong people on TV analyzing things all the time, people who got things fundamentally wrong, that if they were doctors or lawyers or any other serious professional – they would be drummed out of their industry, never mind off the TV and radio airwaves. But, you know, they, they there seems to be something about this Oprah moment we're living in where the confession of being wrong is now a greater badge of honor than being right in the first place. Have you picked up on that? Have you noticed that? I will confess I was wrong and you will give me credit for that. You will not blame me for actually not being right. So last week, the opinion page of the New York Times had uh, eight of their prominent columnists start a column by saying, I was wrong about, I was wrong about, and then you go into it. The one that got all the news was Brett Stevens. He was said he was wrong about calling Trump supporters deplorable. And, you know, shame on, shame on everything Brett Stevens believes in the first place for, for, for going in that direction. But I don't have a lot of patience for that. We've covered that, too. We've covered the Never Trump brain infection long enough. Um, what about Paul Krugman, who wrote in the New York Times on this last on this symposium last week? I was wrong about inflation. In his statement, he writes, quote, some warned that the package would be dangerously inflationary. Others were fairly relaxed. I was team relaxed. As it turned out, of course, that was a very bad call. Close quote. We're talking about the Biden, uh, the, the, the Biden uh, uh, trillion dollar uh, expenditure. Eighteen months ago, Krugman predicted a soaring Reagan-like morning in America recovery. Those are his words over Biden's presidency, over Biden's presidency, a Reagan-like morning in America recovery. Now, Krugman wasn't praising Reagan during the Reagan years, but he was wrong then only to leverage that into the ability or the potential ability to praise and predict greatness from Joe Biden. And that failed. If you are an economist at Princeton and with the New York Times and you can just openly admit that you're wrong about inflation and people are supposed to say, OK, why do they ever think to trust you again? Because this stuff wasn't hard to see. Why do you think Joe Biden was asked about it a year ago? Why do you think we were feeling it and worried about it a year ago? 
Why is it again and again and again the experts are behind the amateurs? Why is it that again and again and again the experts are missing where the American people are? This was, I think, the magic of the calling card to Donald Trump in 2016. I'll say something about that a little more later as well. But when the elites look at things through a singular partisan lens, which is what they do, and you may have to go back and actually look at this, but I know I'm right. Donald Trump's candidacy was, you know, it wasn't that partisan. It wasn't that partisan. On some things it was, but on the things affecting everyday people, he was kind of hard to categorize. But the left, the ardent left, wanted nothing to do with it, so they were happy to, in Yao Gore's phrase, play on your worst fears. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Speaking of inflation, every day more harmful decisions by this administration hurt the economy and it robs you of savings and investment. We're at a 41-year high with inflation, making money worth less. And now there is, I think, a very real possibility of a full-blown recession. And you can't afford it. I can't. No one can. The good news is when investments fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I'm all about the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. You can give them a call or email. Email them to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold and other precious metals. It's the only firm that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already do own precious metals from the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Online, you can visit them at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000. Speaking of meddlesome priests that uh, or turbulent priests I would love to get rid of, that's an old, uh, it's an old saying from uh, Beckett days, um, this thing, are we ever going to end and rid ourselves of this thing? Here's a headline in... Uh, Here's a headline in CNN. Who decides if the U.S. is in a recession? Eight white economists you've never heard of. Not an op-ed, by the way. Written by the CNN business reporter, a woman named Nicole Goodkind. You want the headline again? Who decides if the U.S. is in a recession? Eight white economists you've never heard of. I wonder if they put Thomas Sowell on that in that group if they put thomas Sowell in the group she's writing about which is um which is known as the business cycle dating committee if she'd be satisfied and you know the answer is no because she would call thomas Sowell uh what white economist in blackface here's the dramatic irony we're not supposed to trust eight white economists evidently right I mean, they're not trustworthy. They're all white. Nicole Goodkind is white. Why are we trusting her? I know it boggles the mind. It really boggles the mind. I guess because she's enlightened and the first one to point this out, the first person who can racialize someone gets the moral high ground to which you can't respond or answer. That's the game we're playing here. Well, it's a sick game. It's a sick game that is they want to know why America's divided. Read your own headlines. I'm Seth Leibson, the great Brandon J. Weicker, coming right up. Don't go away. We'll be right back.